folks, there's jumping Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things aren't my, going my way. Motley Cruz, you turn the tables on me. You turn the tables in a wrong way. You've got me mad now. I've stood around. I've listened to everything you had to say. I've did everything necessary. But when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another and you treat, cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's when I get angry. Now I'm the one doing the challenging. I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time, I'm going full force. Ba -da -da -da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niche is neat. I am your producer, Ben, followed up by your director, Matt, and our healthy dose of shea butter. He is the king of catering. It's Monty. What's going on, guys? Hello. Hey, I'm chilling, living life. I uh, spent a lot of time going down some deep channels of musical exploration, and uh, I'm doing pumped. It's time for the end of the year. It's going well. It's finally cold. We're supposed to get our first official Chicago snow um, this evening, so we might get a couple inches tonight. Monty, how are you doing? Oh, good. Working hard, playing hard this time. So <laughs> hell yeah, got to catch up on my daily dose of movie trailers as usual Ooh, and right, yeah right. and yeah i hear we're getting snow uh not tonight but wednesday so have you gotten any snow yet yeah we had a few flurries up here okay. in canada but it, it's not it, it didn't stick so but right, nothing yeah so it's all good <laughs> ben ben how are you doing with your beautiful weather you piece of shit Oh, it's the same every day. Uh, I have a light sweater on because it's gone below 70 degrees. It was literally it was literally 54 degrees in my office this morning because the heat didn't kick on early enough. It was 59 degrees one morning and that was pretty freezy. I have to do I have yeah. to I have to stand outside in the mornings for 30 minutes in this in the fucking like wind tunnel of the street I work on it is. God I, I have to convert those. So, fifty nine is fifteen cells. Oh, oh, that's not too bad. That's yeah, a little chilly was, though. Yeah, yeah it, was, mean, it, nothing, was a, it was. It was. It was about um, negative two Celsius today this morning, Monty. Oh wow! That's that was like it was like Listen negative to this two guy negative complain. one Celsius. Um, All right, Monty. That was, but heck? that's like that's when I was like outside having to to like say hello to people at work for the first 30 minutes of the day and this was at like 7 30 in the morning so it, it, the sun was just coming up that's interesting because like we we are at what plus four still in toronto celsius it's the it's, it's i mean crazy. i mean for for the fans out there who like the weather uh it's the, it's, yeah this it's, is this is the best intro to a podcast ever hey guys what's episode. going on In nothing much let's talk about the weather fuck we're, we're cooking with gas today <laughs> boop, 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 boop. yeah hell yeah thanks to our biggest fans brennan and mason if you'd yeah. like to be our biggest fan just shoot us a screen cap of you giving us a five-star review on itunes or spotify or anything of the sort um Johnny JB, it's two weeks now since you won 
our prize and you have not selected anything. Wow. So you... Can I'm I... losing my patience. Can I take it? Well, no. <laughs> well, no, you well, can't. Well, here's, here's a challenge. If you're, if you're here to this week from um, either of our last two episodes on the heavy education on the early black metal scene in Norway, if you can guess which one black... If you can guess which Swedish death metal... Oh, God, I fucked it up. <laughs> this is all staying in. I don't I have know. the time for yes, this shit. Do. We're recording on Monday. That means we get edited. Kayfabe! Uh, Kayfabe! <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. So if Johnny JB can't get back to you, let's see if our black metal fans can get back to us. If you were here from heavy education from the last two weeks where we talked about the early Norwegian black metal scene, if you send me on Instagram a five-star review of us on either uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you can leave us a, re- a formal review, I will send you a piece of black metal history. Is, is that just a record or is it some chicken bones that are supposed to be dead skull i will send i will send you a vinyl from my collection of my choosing you don't get to choose what it is but you do get a free vinyl and maybe maybe a piece of dead skull maybe it's maybelline maybe it's maybelline (laughs) maybelline maybe maybe it'll be a piece of a femur that my dog chewed on but hey it'll still be pretty black metal would bones get flagged and i this is like the most boring train of thought ever just not if they're mind. boiled not not um, if they're if, if they're boiled and there's no like meat aroma from it so it's not considered a food product you can ship bones really easily i've gotten uh, bones in the mail before how many like two total i got a jaw i got a uh, a deer's jawbone and i got a uh, like a mink skull like a small why did you skull. order a deer's jawbone it was for gift slash ritual a friend of mine was doing and he needed one and uh okay. the, what kind the of ritual thing, uh it was a it was a ritual about hunger and money um and so you needed to have instruments of like eating and consuming i got the bones from the people at woolly mammoth which is my, one of my favorite oddities shop in chicago Ooh. i bought an i bought a human phalange from them phalange they have an original john way gacy painting Ooh, wow, that's I, awesome. I, I have wanted to buy it for from sale. Him. No, he's his personal. Uh, color. I've tried. Trust me. I fucking tried to buy that painting. It's the Hitler stores painting. stores that like have shit on display, not for sale. I think are bullshit. 90% of the stuff in there is that's the only thing that isn't. That's like, the so he's only store. selling well, 10 think, items in the store. No, there's like hundreds of things. You for just sale said 90% of the things are for sale, but that's the only thing that's not Matt. Wait, did, do you guys have an eBay store back in the day? That was like an in-person stupid. eBay store. Yeah, my dad did. My no. my dad had like. Are you serious? Well, not not an in-person eBay store. Oh, okay. Like, no, I'm talking about like a physical store that sells. Oh eBay no. Stuff. The, only, the only reference I have for a physical eBay store is Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I've been on job. eBay for a long fucking time. Yeah, the last thing I bought in eBay was an accordion. When did you buy that, Matt? Like three years ago. Man, I can go I'm and get on... it. You want me? To... <laughs> I can go give no. you guys a rousing accordion solo. No, we tear. we already talked the about power. the We we already opened up by talking about the weather. I don't think we can get much <laughs> more exciting without you know giving our listeners a heart attack. 
I know, I, I know it will make them more excited. Wrestling. Yeah, yeah so uh, so we're here to tackle a number of topics today. I yeah, We're back to our normal talk show format. This is a I, traditional Yeah, normal episode. as in we did this yeah. like twice. We did it. No, this is, this is, this is, this is fourth time the charm, Charmin. And on Charmin, each of our hosts brings a different topic from their niche area of, of interest. This week's episode, Ben's going to talk about some classic wrestling throughout time. I'm here to talk to you about, I bet you can't guess, black metal. And Monty's here to talk to you about a horror movie that all three of us have seen, which will be the marquee of our episode. I'm going to start here. I'm going to add one more now that you mentioned the accordion, which Fuck is yeah. weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, yes, please. I haven't seen it, but I want to talk about it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. um, and Ben, Ben, we're going to start with you because we start with the most exciting subject matter over the episode, which is early pre-70s wrestling. So I've there was three question marks in that last sentence. I, I so <laughs> I've run into like a wall here. Okay. Um, just just I, remember, I, just Monty, just for your own reference, everything Ben's gonna say <laughs> is gonna what led me to listening to the weird music I listen to now. But really? it's gonna be about wrestling. Let's just wait, wait okay. to hear the description. Okay. It's it's beautiful. It's the so same exact thing. I I grew up watching wrestling, WCW then into WWE because I had no choice threw in some TNA in there, but you know, uh, over time my horizon slowly expanded. And especially after wrestle kingdom nine, uh, back <coughs> several years ago. Now I really and wanted to explore all the kingdom nine. extra <laughs> facets of pro wrestling. Really? Honestly, the gateway was probably NXT. Because, you know, before then I would hear about a bunch of the indie guys coming up, but like NXT will, had will, a much more indie wrestling vibe. Yeah, your, 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 your level of direct name dropped references really catapulted from stuff that I recognized to stuff that I didn't in probably about 2015, <laughs> 2016. Yeah, so, but but I would always keep it at the major companies except once I moved out to California and really starting in Chicago too, I'd be going to a lot more independent wrestling shows and that's where I'd start to find. Um, and I fell in love. That's one of the many times, <laughs> but that's where I start to find more of a niche. And then I'm like, all right, I got to dig as far deep in as possible. So throughout the podcast, you've heard me talk about companies like MLW, who just came back, um, about GCW, lots of indie companies, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, that I really like going to. But at a certain point, even there, I'm like, okay, I figured out the tier list of wrestling companies in America, right? And so that's one side, but... A lot of it's not very good. Yeah, and the issue I have with that is it's sort of like the if a tree falls in a forest situation where like yeah. if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to see it, but you see it, it looks really fucking cool. And you're like, oh, my God, like yeah, sparkler shot tree. out of the tree's ass. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. But then if you're sitting in the forest and a tree falls and it just sort of slumps to the side and rolls over, you're like, well, I wasted all of my time 
for yeah. nothing. Why so I I've that tree. So now on indie stuff, I'm skimming a lot more. And what I really want is like episodic content that I can like follow. Like something I can follow with like a 7 out of 10 attention span. Yeah. And also something where I'm not worried that the wrestlers are going to kill each other every fucking time. Because Aww. well, because also with indie wrestlers, it's like you can find it, it's like a third of the time you see the wrestlers and they're really motivated. A third of the time they're like in their normal groove and another third of the time they're like here for the paycheck and they just don't want to get hurt. <laughs> and so choosing shows and you don't even know what level of work you're going to get makes it a lot more random. So I've decided to go in the opposite direction or at least mix older stuff within. Uh, for most people, wrestling starts in the eighties with like Vince McMahon and WrestleMania. But I want to go b- before that where the only recordings left are stuff that people saved rescued or just kept at home or stuff that was recorded on like the earliest VHS players from the seventies. Um, and this is legitimately what we did in the last episode of the podcast with the black metal we listened to. Yeah. So I was like, I want to watch this because this shit was popular in its Mm -hmm. day. So for the most part, it it should be good. Well, it was some. It was on network television, even even way back in the day. This was getting like a, like a direct spot, right? Yeah, but even even beyond that, my thinking is well, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's historically interesting, and if it's really bad, it's really fucking funny because there's nothing I love more than dissecting really bad pro wrestling yeah in like appreciating how unfulfilling the performances are Mm -hmm. and so when you look back at pro wrestling from the 70s really it has this perfect mix of guys on the way up who understand what is now considered modern pro wrestling and they're very good wrestling a only slightly outdated style. And then there's the other people on the card who wrestled in like the fifties and sixties when you really didn't need to have any character or interesting attributes and they are caught completely flat footed and they cannot do a thing, which creates just this beautiful miasma of like the best of times and the worst of times. It's war and peace in pro wrestling form. So what I did this past Friday is I tortured Matt and Monty. I introduced them to wrestling that was aired in a theater as like a short film from the 1940s. Yeah. It was like an, it was an intro. Yes. Um, a, a little introduction to wrestling, a four minute match where I think it was Ed Sharkey, uh, defending his Maryland based championship. Do not ask me to remember who these people are. It's it's like a four minute like I punch you ah oh, you punch me you know the commentator talks like this and oh you don't think wrestling's on the level well let me tell you it certainly is like even back then and there were some people even some were carny like drama in the match they were like working a little bit which I thought yeah. was very surprising you can see the 
the lenses of what they uh, became later in wrestling. Like you can see what was kept, um, especially when we watch some of the old the, uh, stuff going down the timeline. It was it's like again to to relate this back to black metal because the analogy is still working. Um, it's like this is this is what it's like listening to like hard rock, like early rock and roll and blues, where it's so different from what's actually being done today. But there's there's like licks and flavors of what you know evolved into our version of it. It's like listening to the early Beatles and listening to Mayhem. You know, there's a little bit of the Beatles in there. Yeah. So like. It's just interesting to watch. Uh, we watched a little clip from the uh, 1950s. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, wrestling, <laughs> at the, wrestling at the Rainbow, which is the, as far as I can tell, the very first televised weekly wrestling show um, Not from the Chicagoland area, which started in, I think, 1952 or maybe maybe 48 around 1950. Um, We also took a look at a video package for gorgeous George from 1948. Oh, Oh, it was almost so good. Which I I mean, for, for a clip with no sound, it does a pretty good job of getting gorgeous George over as this Ric Flair S keel in the forties. Just yeah, flamboyant, well, the obnoxious robes, the permed hair. Well, and, and when you see him, like, can you see like clips of it without the context of him like speaking and the rest of the people? It's like, oh yeah, he just looks like a, a wrestler. But when you see him in the context of the other wrestlers and like and the world itself, it really puts into like sharp contrast how, like, I don't know if like ballsy is the right word, but like over the top and interesting his character really ostentatious, was. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I mean it's, not, the, it's not just that it's ostentatious. It goes against the mold and the standard of the time. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, I mean, he is the foundation of modern wrestling. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. probably the single most important wrestler in wrestling history that people do not talk about. Wow. Just because that, you know, he figured it out before anyone else did. And of course, he drank himself to death. Well, which, died is, at which 50 is also years part old. of why he's an archetype for the modern wrestler. That's yeah. Like, honestly but i mean it it, i just think it's fascinating to look at him because Mm -hmm. like his stuff then would still get over today oh 100 you know and it just shows how you know no matter what athletic uh, uh boundaries or blocks you have like talent's talent and you figure it out you know yeah well, I mean, it's like there's certain traits, like I said, that sh- that no matter what era of wrestling we're in um, will be valuable to the world of wrestling. And like Gorgeous George is one of those guys that has those type of talents. Like, and he so, has the charisma. He's bigger than life. He's like a superhero. He's like the original nature boy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. The original nature boy was Buddy Rogers, actually. Oh, really? I mean, okay. I mean, Buddy, Buddy Rogers came after George, Gorgeous George. And 99% chance he was just a gorgeous George ripoff. But the official term nature boy started with Buddy Rogers, which was named after, which came after like a song. Okay. Um, We think because it's because nature boy was supposed to be talking about like a Tarzan like person. Mm. 
But then he took Nature Boy and ran with it, even though he didn't act like that at all. So the term boy needs to update his gimmick. So so like the term Nature Boy, like where that came from, is actually up for at least mild debate. Uh, It seems like one of those things that just sort of stuck, like calling someone Superstar Billy Graham, just like Superstar is a name. It's just a name, and it just so happened that Ric Flair was one of the greatest of all time, so it just stayed with him. Yeah, yeah, he got lucky. Well, it's like if there, I'm sure there, the the opportunity for there to have been fifty different wrestlers called the Undertaker exists, but only one person gets to hold that title for the rest of their life because they were so good at the right time. Hey, he paid his dues, man. Yeah, his fourth time was the charm. So, uh, the main one I wanted to talk about was 1976 Championship Wrestling from Florida. We are well into having regional wrestling television shows. Yeah. Not really anything with a national footprint at this time. Uh, but Championship Wrestling from Florida was run by Eddie Graham, uh, who killed himself. Um, he oh. he uh, worked there with his son, Mike Graham, who killed himself. And oh, Mike wow. would also have a son, and Mike Graham's son killed himself as well. Well, this uh, is just a happy-go-lucky time now, isn't it? It's pro wrestling, baby. It's what it's it is. It's kind of like a common thing. Like, oh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's like a it's, very it's... rock star-ish life, you know? Oh, it so, is. I mean, Yeah, uh, except you get paid worse. Yeah. Uh, and, and you have to yeah. slam your body on the ground multiple times a day and develop painkiller addictions. Yeah. And be given painkillers by the company you work with. That's right. So uh, incentivize and just it just allow the addiction to persist to keep you wrestling because it's beneficial. Matt, Matt, you need to calm down. Have a Z pack, and we'll talk about it <laughs> later. Okay. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Sorry, 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 coach. Uh, but anyway, championship wrestling from Florida. I've watched a lot of these uh, smaller regional companies, and championship wrestling from Florida, which fun fact was one of the first territories Vince McMahon stole the TV airtime from. Oh, um, but I, I think they have the best mix of like characters and interviews and good wrestling. Uh, it's commentated by Gordon Soley, the voice of wrestling, Matt, you join me for this. And I, I want to ask you broad strokes. What are your thoughts about this show? We had a, we had interviews with Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk. We had a match featuring the great Mephisto. We had uh, a match with the Missouri Mauler. And we had what I thought was an excellent uh, final match featuring Steve Kern versus Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. So really a lot going on here. What what were your takeaways from this? Uh, my, my first and primary thought was I need to stay awake for Ben. It was it was followed by the fact that I think the best way to describe what we were watching, especially with with context, which helped, is that we were watching harsh the harsh noise of yeah. wrestling. So it so is can, like distinctly so, off putting because it's bad, but you're being <laughs> shown it and you're enjoying it because you're reveling in the harshness and the like. You're almost reveling in the fact that the content isn't great or polished but that is like a selling point of the experience which is again very very much like a raw black metal i listen to 
It's very like when we watched it, it was very educational, actually. That's yeah, I, there's a lot. There's about. a lot to learn for, about wrestling from watching it. Yeah, and that 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 in of itself is really interesting. Um, but it's like you got to have a lot of buy-in. Like yeah. if you True. don't have like yeah. existing information or some kind of reference to like the world that you're engaging with, it's just a lot of like shit happening. That's kind of like obnoxious oh Um, yeah totally it's i what what i enjoy about it is that it's just different you know yeah because on one end you have the main event which of course it ends in a fuck finish i think that's what killed matt (laughs) uh finally well that but it's that and the fact that they like regularly would be doing something really cool and then the extra thing they would do to, to create like an angle would just be so obtuse that i just be like i what now i'm confused mm-hmm. so they had steve kern and cowboy bob orton in the main event they get the crowd going crazy ends a fuck finish but whatever but like it's technically very sound they don't do anything crazy it's like yeah. you listen to a lot of wrestlers in today's day and age go like oh you gotta slow down you don't need to bump so much. And this match was a perfect distillation of you get a good match out there. And they took what, Matt? Like two bumps each? Maybe? Yeah, well, they're, I mean, they were just, it was all storytelling. Like yeah. it was, yeah. it was instead of like athleticism or um, what would, I guess you could say like uh, gymnastics necessarily. And, and that's not saying like the flippy shit that like the indie blah 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 argument it wasn't it wasn't that they weren't doing that stuff it's that their focus was on like a collaborative storytelling method and instead of using like hard hits or like big flips to tell their story they were using like character acting yeah it was yeah, it were... was it was like super it was like reading a superhero comic without the fighting but like in a real in like a it's good like going to live way. improv yeah no it was better yeah. it was it's like Second City Improv, yeah. where the structure is known and organized, but like the individual people involved are what create the skit's power. You you can also tell why people were like, ah, oh, back in the day, we just called it in the ring. You're like, yeah, I can see why, because yeah. you just stomped him for 20 fucking minutes. Well, you did the same like, thing the whole time, so you're Like, really, it's you're really- good, but still, you know... Um, <laughs> Then you even have guys like Billy Robinson who are on the show. And I, this one for me was the biggest surprise of all of them. Billy Robinson is a very famous wrestler from the UK. Um, and dude literally wrestled himself. Like he did moves to make it it look like the wrestler fighting him was was pinning him multiple times. Like, but, but for real, this dude moves so fluidly and so well, and the other wrestler needed to do nothing. Wait, like, you, like imagine being so talented, you can wrestle yourself. Well, he, he, he gave himself a roll-up. Yeah. Like, he had, he put his, he had, he put his opponent in the position to roll him up. Like, we talk about, clearly... we talk about how Brian Danielson's the best technical wrestler in the world right now. But, like... I've never seen Brian Danielson do that. I don't know if he could. I mean, some, honestly, some, someone in pro wrestling gorilla wrestled a, an invisible person. So there's that. That was GCW, not pro oh, wrestling. Damn gorilla. it! Different vibes. <laughs> Different vibes. My cred. 
my 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 indie wrestling cred that I know all of our fans are here for. So, so you wrestled an invisible guy? Is there like a video of this? Or? Yeah, in That's fact, real. there's even a match where the invisible man wrestled the invisible Stan. Yeah. <laughs> so two invisible people wrestled each other, and it was actually pretty good. They went through a table. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's modern pro wrestling for you. That's like you know what? Like I, I'm pretty sure you guys seen it. It's like those videos where they show the most ridiculous thing that happens in wrestling, and there's this guy who like did this Michael Jack his his shtick with this Michael. Oh, Jackson. the Michael Jackson guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was smooth. But uh, <laughs> but and and then on the other end, you have the real harsh noise, which is just people who yeah. don't who don't get it, and I don't think anyone is like come closer to my heart than the Missouri Mauler. Oh my fucking God. A journeyman from the sixties. His, his big move is a snap mare and <laughs> he gets really gassed and he's not able to slam anyone. He looks like a retired truck driver and he he's so wrestle. bad that he makes Terry Funk's incredible promo about wanting to kill Dusty Rhodes mm. look like a minor oh my, obstacle that's, that's in his moment. in his journey to destroy all yeah. sense of kayfabe around him. You talk you talked about moments where I like gave up and that was one of them. Watching that, watching that incredible like legitimately really good borderline creep like borderline psychotic promo just Terry get Funk shit down the grave by this t- idiot. <laughs> Terry Funk here is like in his prime that no one talks about anymore because he had like three primes after this. He just happened to be like eighty. Yeah. Um. But he's cutting this promo about Dusty Rhodes, who earlier in the show uh, has face paralysis. Cuts this great promo about how he doesn't know what his prognosis is, but I'll try to be back. Really emotional. Terry Funk, the NWA champion comes out and he's and he looks like a fucking sociopath and he goes look i put ten thousand dollars down for dusty roads to be put under the ground and he's just a little bit paralyzed are you fucking kidding me and he's like i'm not paying anyone anything until he's six feet into the ground and because everything else is so on the level on the show aside Mm -hmm. from the great mephisto who got heat by praying to Allah. Yeah, that was fucking <laughs> that, wild. From oh, Arabia. Man. Yeah, that one wasn't that was so good. Insane. Yeah. Um they just but, had a show in Saudi Arabia. But I mean he has a hell of a promo and then he calls up the Missouri Mauler and asks him why he didn't finish the job and, and Matt, how would you characterize his interviewing skills? Harsh noise. It was unintelligible. Hello, like I, hello, NWA champion Terry Funk. It is I, the Missouri Mauler, no, well, okay. and I. You're, I, you're I delivering under, the dialogue better than he does. He's like, oh, 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 oh. I, under, I understand that you, that you are not happy, and I'm he not He sounded happy like a drunk that, guy but... in Wisconsin that wouldn't stop talking to you at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was I just mean, like dude, randomly. Dude wrestled for three minutes. His bald spot has like unwrapped itself. Yeah, he aged he about is, 50 years. He is heaving oh trying boy. to get some air before he can talk. And Terry Funk is like really trying to make this work. It would it's like if you have 
an Oscar-nominated actor yeah. working with someone fresh out of high school. Oh, it's so bad. Like, I, I mean, it, it's legendarily bad, though. It's like... Ugh, I don't even... I mean... It's, I've, it's, I don't know if I've ever oh. seen... Outside of maybe Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. I don't know if I've <laughs> ever seen a promo worse than this. Yep. That's What's real. the story with that dude? <laughs> I. It's just some, like, low-level guy... Oh, and he cuts this, he has this interview where they're like, Hey, like, what do you think? You got attacked by Motley Cruz. What do you think? He's (laughs) like, well, you done made me mad now. Motley Cruz. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm, yep. I'm going to take you full force. It's just 90 seconds of cringe here. The mauler goes for a while. (laughs) <laughs> anyway is that a I, now reason why they script things now i guess because the i mean yes and happen. no uh, yes and no uh but i just it, it's hard for me to articulate why i love this so much uh but i love what works in wrestling i also love the bad shit i love like botchamania and wrestle crap yeah and like all of this shit is so old and everyone's forgotten about it that it's new again. So I'm excited to it's see refreshing. what else can be unearthed. Oh, we um, will unearth it because yeah, on the so, fourth time's a charm. Niche is neat. <laughs> okay, so we can move on from the from the duller stuff now. Uh, someone else. Let's... So now, so now from from Ben's harsh noise exploration. So I think the key and the heart of of Ben's uh, recent monologue is that he's gotten to the point where his investiture into wrestling has led him to the point where the things that he finds enjoyment from are truly niche, are either representative of what came later, or when they're not representative and historical in nature, where you can appreciate what's come out of what you're seeing, is is the things that are on the edge of modern day where they're truly blending different things. And I think... One thing that's interesting about some of the old school wrestling we watch, like that French wrestling event, is that it does incorporate things that aren't typically utilized in wrestling today, but incorporated them in to help tell the story. And that is something that I like to find in music, things in music where not only is it harsh and different and niche, but it's being performed in such a way that is like truly enchanting because of its um unique blending of things and i had two different albums to talk about with you today one that is the definition of harsh and intensity and one that is the definition of experimental and new um i'll, I'll start with our our new album this is a fantastic release um by a band called autonosis or anesius Autoneosis. Uh, Autoneosis. That's how I pronounce it. From 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 the blazing blazing north of Canada, Toronto, Ontario, no less. Ooh. Um, with their new full length uh, album, Moon of Foul Magics. Now, this is very interesting because the opening three minutes are kind of like an acoustic guitar work thing. There's like some electric guitar going, and I'm gonna be real. It's a little disappointing on that first hit. You're like, oh, like a, a a regular intro that's just him playing guitar and like being chill. But after that intro, you get about an hour is what I'm going to say. 
or probably 30, yeah, an hour, an hour and three minutes worth of just one of the most incredible blends of melodic thrash, black metal, and death metal. I felt all three were pretty openly displayed and done, and it was an incredible release. If you want to find something with not only great riffs and great guitar work, but a dynamic blending of new things, I think this is the album for you to check out of the two we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm sure Ben could, on a cuff, make a wrestling reference to something that is re- that is similar related, where it's a <laughs> blending of three different features that are pretty much made into their own unique uh, unison on this release. Ben? Uh, there's there's a two combined, which is called Lucha Resu, which combines the foundations of Lucha and Japanese wrestling, which is the foundation of Dragon Gate USA. Uh, this training helped with people like Okada and was founded by Ultimo Dragon. And so it, it oh, led really? to the devel- development yeah. of some like extremely well-known and incredibly great wrestlers. Um, now on another lens of it, Sometimes you need to listen to something very raw, something very aggressive and very honest. Uh, And today, while uh, exploring some uh, esoteric ends of black metal and diving into some of the uh, heftier Russian and underground black metal scenes, I came across a American slash French album, surprisingly, but released by an artist who I have been following for a few years and have talked about on the podcast. Um, they go by the name Lila or by any of their many um, additional uh, side projects. And, and Ben, can you guess how many joint joint slash side projects this artist has? Eight. Oh, you're, you're really close. Six. Ah, uh, uh, this, this is a split. Only slash... six. I know. This is a split slash semi uh, collaboration um, between a band called Nightmare Ecstasy and Celestial Sword. Now, this is a brand. This is uh, I know, fantastic name. Sounds like uh, an awesome name. Actually. Yeah, this is a brand new split that um, only I think dropped like a couple weeks ago. The the tapes are already completely sold out. So if you want to be our biggest fan, please send me one of the tapes of this because I really fucking want it. Because what we have here, so you two will understand this. Last week, we listened to and we talked about some raw black metal, right? It was fast. Uh, the production wasn't incredible. It was very heavy and, and aggressive in the drums with a little bit of synth work and some like shouty, screamy, um, but not overbearing, shrieky vocals, right? Right. Okay. And that was good. That was a good time, right? That's like that's I'm like good. a baseline aesthetic of black metal. Okay. Um, and that's the first half of this split. Um, okay. our, um, coming from from Lila, um, who's behind Ardente, which is one of my favorite black metal projects out there. And oh, forget a passage. Me too. Shh, you lying whore. Um, <laughs> the um, the black metal here is really honest. It's really pure. It's straightforward, um, and it's incredibly well played. I think um, they. Uh, they man Nightmare XC manages to kind of portray a very melodic but raw sound at the same time, very similar to what you would heard on Transylvanian, uh, not Transylvanian Hunger, on A Howl the Northern Skies by Dark Throne, uh, with a little bit of a lens of kind of what we saw with Immortal, with a little bit more of the design. Now, 
that's just good and straight. That's your Brian Danielson. The technicals are there, but imagine a really who's a really young, up and coming Brian Danielson type, Ben. Oh, ben? Daniel Garcia. Okay. Wow. So quick edit, Daniel Garcia. Um, <laughs> yeah. So 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 Ardente to me is like she's the she slash they. I, oh God, I'm not sure. I I would have to check. I'm gonna say they for 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 ease. Um, for for Ardente or Nightmare Ecstasy or Lila or any of the people behind that group, that's what they're doing. They're the Daniel Garcia. They're a young person who is really passionate and is doing an incredible job of representing what is considered like true cult black metal or like I don't want to say bare bones, but like raw and straightforward black metal. Now in the second half of this uh, of this split, okay. I. I think we got some of my favorite black metal vocals I have ever heard. And surprisingly enough, this song, uh, oh, oh, yeah. So one of this song is featuring one of the most popular, I guess, uh, like hyper underground black metal bands. It's hugely popular in the underground lamp of murmur. Um, if you're, if you're, if you're lamp it, of murmur, yeah. If you're here <laughs> from the order of the black arts or any of the black metal groups, or you're a big fan of underground black metal, you'll know who that is. And also probably be surprised that they did the split are are featured on this split, but celestial sword has a vocals. I can only describe as a vicious banshee whale. It is Ooh. the most high pitched. Oh, you know how much I love my banshee whales, yeah. man. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, you know, it's it's not very appealing, but goddamn, is it fucking cool. Um, when I was listening to her, uh, I don't know actually the gender of this person. When I was listening to the the uh, celestial sword section of this split, it started, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, I know this is gonna be raw and more intense because that's what someone in the comments said. And then a straight up high pitched wailing, like legitimate shriek. It's the only way to describe it. Just fucking pelts you in the ear for like the entire, like first three minutes of the track on and off. It's just like raw black metal played really fast. Then like, I can't even reproduce the shrieking, but like the, the waveform must've been out the fucking roof on every direction. It is so cool. I really, I really recommend you, you seek this out. The split's called "The Whales of Winter Respond Through Desolate Eternity." It's a split by Nightmare Ecstasy and Celestial Sword. Wildly two different, incredible raw melodic black metal bands doing a dark and unique mix of taking the traditionally really incredible. And blending it with some unique elements and takes, including some of the most wildly impressive vocals I have heard in modern black metal from Celestial Sword. And that's that's what this gentleman has to bring to the table. Monty, take us down a dark path of cinematography. Whoa, we're, 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 just, we're just going on through there? I don't know. I didn't. I I figured if we just keep flowing, but if you guys got something to say, no. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I haven't listened to it, but it sounds really cool. Like, yeah. what, what's their what, what's their albums like and shit? Uh, well, they so they're good. 
You, can't leave, act, us, you can't leave us hard like this, man. Yeah, look at this. Well, that's the part. You gotta do the research. <laughs> you blue balled us, man. Don't you want to dive into the Weeping Kingdom? If you want to find our Dente's work or on this split, um, Nightmare Ecstasy, um, you can find the Weeping Kingdom on uh, on Bandcamp or on or on uh, Facebook. Um, I highly. Wait, Matt, re- is that is that a shriek or is that just like white noise? No, no, that's I. Yeah, I sent you the clip. That's legitimate shrieking. Those are vocals. That's it, awesome. They Holy are. They shit. are like. It's like ah. Like I can't do it. It's it's <laughs> fucking impossible. It sounds alien. It's like Dead's vocals, but hyper in the other direction. Yeah, um, for real. You can yeah. go if you go and find uh, Ardente's 2020 demo. Uh, oh yeah, 2020 demo. Le Chateau sur Deliots. I'm gonna send it to Ben so he can say it. It's this. So this is French, right? Le Chateau sous les étoiles. So the chateau under the stars. Yeah, the if house you go under listen, the stars. Yeah. If if you listen to the chateau under the stars, that to me is like what raw black metal should sound like. It's 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 not too much. It's I genuinely find it relaxing. Because there's like there's no vocals, it's just super raw guitar and drums. Um, so and, Celestial Sword also has some sick ass album art here. Yeah, I mean the album art on on the Whales of Winter through uh through re- uh, the Whales of Winter resonate through a desolate eternity is pretty badass. We got some like we got a classical black and white photo of a French castle, which like is one of the most incredibly French black metal things you could ever do um yeah celestial swords is a is a group i haven't delved too deeply into their other releases beyond this one but very similar to uh, ardente slash the weeping kingdom slash lila they have like an incredible amount of releases they have Uh, another yeah they have another release from this month as well yeah they do a lot a lot of them these are a lot of these are all splits they've done with other black metal bands so they're really trying to take an effort to collaborate with a bunch of them their last it looks like their last full length was dawn of the crimson moon which has a sweet cover but if you're looking at so that's that's december their last full album was december of last year so does that count for this year for this year I'll give it a listen and we'll make it a consideration. Okay. I the album that I would consider for this year based purely on album artwork is The Citadel of Scarlet Lament because one that name's awesome and I want to say it more often, but the album artwork is some of like Oh my god, yeah, it's like blood lightning. It look it's it looks like a Lovecraftian like landscape. It it, Ooh, it I think beautiful. it's an avalanche covered in blood. And actually, it's very reminiscent of the most of the most recent um, Ungfell cover. It's you know it's funny. I, I I got on here saying I've never listened to Celestial Sword, and I already follow them on on Bandcamp. So clearly, Amazing. I've listened to them. Well, okay, hold oh, on. they, they what, remind oh, me a lot of Ungfell. Yes. Uh, oh yes. Okay, I have listened to them. I actually own one of their albums. Um, <laughs> I own their split with uh, Kleinen, Mirkir, uh, not Mirkir, Mouvkwe, and the Oracle. Because I saw the or- the Oracle played at the Black Metal Festival I was just recently at. Um, actually, I got to see the or- uh, the Oracle play live. So, fun fact. These people, that means there's a chance one day I'll see Celestial Sword live. A boy can dream. 
Damn. So if you're listening to this individual behind Celestial uh, Sword, please come and play in Chicago. I really liked your vocals. And you did a split with the Oracle, who were also very fun. Oh, they also did a split with the vamp the unholy vampiric slaughter sect. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't I don't know about you guys, but the unholy vampiric slaughter sect is a real fucking high point in my life. Damn. Well, these are all these are all primarily single person groups as well, which I find very like motivating. That these are just like individuals. Like cause Ardente slash um what are they called what what do they call themselves in this album again um nightmare ecstasy it's is a single person who's released like upwards of like 20 plus releases under um all of their different uh different brands and bands including some very fantastic dungeon synth um you can give them a follow on instagram at lila starless who is the uh, individual the sole individual behind all of these releases um for uh, uh nightmare ecstasy slash our dentist slash the weeping kingdom um and the celestial swords just i bet you can't guess at celestial sword um what? On, on instagram shocker they do have a that? fucking sweet shirt too so if you're if you also want to be our biggest fan one Send me uh, Adonosis uh, or this album on on physical release or this Dawn of the Crimson Moon shirt, which is fucking incredibly cool. I don't All have anything right. else to and, say. And, Let's move on to movies. And, and not, now, now that now that Matt has gotten his e-begging for the day out of the way monty <laughs> here's a clip monty. Let's talk about cinema. <laughs> All right. Here's so, a shriek. I know we talked about this film. Over and over. Actually, you know what? Let 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 me start. I don't, by have it. we? <laughs> yeah, we you, we did talk about it uh, in one of our previous podcasts. Okay. And hey, you hadn't seen it yet. This is another thing it, that we. Yeah, I didn't see it. But you know, for our listeners out there, if they can figure out what episode number. Oh yeah. This. Uh, no, no, no. That we not we Matt talked about yes this. i spoke about this yeah and i know. certainly don't know <laughs> i think i know which one it is but i know um, i know when i know when it we talk i know when in relation to us recording it we talked about it i think it I came out like right after it was the first episode after the wedding yes yes i think that's the one which but, was three weeks after the wedding but yeah uh so yeah did we we watched I finally got a chance. I, I took Matt and 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 Terrence advice. They they raved it. They said it was so good. So I watched it with my wife. And We're talking about Barbarian. Barbarian. My gosh! I have to say, this is an awesome film. Like the even the director was saying, like he was trying to like. He just wrote this for the heck of writing it, right? Yeah, writer, writer and director. This is and and for those out there, um, especially I think this is much more of like a an early two thousands YouTube slash um, Comcast cable um, reference. If you had IFC or were on uh, YouTube by the time, you probably heard about the comedy group, the Whitest Kids You Know. Uh, the yeah. Whitest Kids You Know were one of the most I don't. They were an incredibly popular group. Let's say it that way. I don't know how incredible they were, but they were they were funny, and I loved them as a kid. And one of their main actors and main writers is a man named Zach Kreger, 
And yeah. this horror film is Zach Kreger's writing, uh, as directing and um, writing feature length debut. Yeah. Outside and of working on Miss March, which he was the director of. That's, that's a different story. To add, this, I think it's like his pet project that he's been working mm-hmm. on for a while now. And yeah. you know what? I, I, I just realized like there's a lot of comedians or there's there appears to be a rise in comedians and making horror films well, and they've I think, been freaking I mean, amazing I mean, horror is comedy yeah, yeah. ben, ben and, and i've talked like when ben and i talk about anthologies it's like the only two mediums that are exemplified by a five minute short as a comedy or a horror yeah because they're the same they're and the same part of your brain it's interesting too because when you look at the start of cinema right it's comedy and horror have always been split mm-hmm. from traditional drama and like the classical cinematic storytelling and i wonder where that comes i i mean i i understand that it was just less prestigious because they were able to be made faster but i feel like that's a little too simple of an explanation i don't know it's the same thing because like horror i think horror and comedy are the are the two cheapest things you can make because you don't need anything yeah. You know, all you all you need to do to make a horror movie is have a room and someone knocking on a door. And all you, all you need to make a comedy is have a room with someone knocking on a door. You need and nothing. You, you need to because it's like a base human experience to laugh at the You need to have a good or story scream. or you need to have a good material to go with it too, right? Sure. And and like it's it's very very not saying simple to like anyone can do it, but you really have to have a story that can capture the audience. Yeah, and, but they're easy to do bad. Well, yeah. Very yeah, easy to do to do these two things and like be completely oh, incompetent oh, and definitely. still get it made. Like you, you need to have that craft, that that mm-hmm. you know, that ability. And yeah, going back to, the, are we going to do a spoiler warning or? I don't know. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been like now. it's been like two months now. Yeah, yeah, we two can spoil now, the movie. Right? All right, yeah. so. Like yeah, spoil, so it. spoiler ring for Barbarian. It's it, it's out of theaters. We yeah, already told you we liked it. Did did you watch this, Ben? Yeah, I saw it the day oh. before I got married. Nice. Yeah, okay. H- okay. Hence hence the movie being so disturbing because there, of the main actress. After I watched this film, I wanted to get your take. Like I, I after I watched this film, I watched the 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 interviews of the director at the film fest and everything. I just like he was very he kept the title opened and i'm just curious like again i'm saying this again after i watch this film i'm curious what do you guys think the title represents or means and he oh. was very, very ambiguous about it he, he, he didn't so, even ask about why this, he didn't say why he, he called it this so yeah so i mean i interpret it as justin long's character much in the same way as the uh a, a abusive husband who locked his wife in the basement for however many decades they're they're both barbarians of of their time essentially okay you know, they i i mean that, that well, that's that what like i sort of get out well because well, okay. well, the the way i look at i mean you know i'm not gonna do the webster's definition of barbarian <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but like it's the movie is clearly a commentary about about you know gender yeah. relationships yeah right yeah, yeah. and so well the first have, half is and you then, have and then the i way... think 
Oh, Justin's character and engages well, with the world. I think it's the entirety yeah. of the movie. They yeah. do talk yeah. about the the male being such barbaric. Like the real monster is actually, you know, the yeah, male. Because, I mean, because even the monster in this was created by that serial rapist dude. Yeah, it answer. it reminds me of um fuck, and I always forget the name of the movie. What's it about? There's uh it's it's a movie that takes place in like massachusetts and the first half is a romance movie between a divorcing older woman and a younger man who's like just out of high school into college not gone girl and so the first half of the movie is them falling in love with each other funny while the the abusive ex is around them and then about halfway through the film the ex just gets a gun out and shoots the main character dead the the guy the littlest reich oh wow and okay and it's like a really just because it's filmed like a hallmark movie and all of a sudden he's just shot dead off screen and you're like (laughs) what the fuck that's what this this movie does in the fucking middle of it but but like this is well that's what i'm saying Mm -hmm. this like but but the whole point of that movie is the argument is that women and lust for women have created all of these issues so women in the movie are antagonists okay in this movie outside of the the the, uh, monster. the, the, the creepy looking guy who's not actually a bad guy Wait, which uh, one? Oh, oh, Bill Skarsgård. Bill yeah, Skarsgård. Keith, Keith yeah. who was yeah. genuine. Like, his yeah. character just so, was that, was yeah. Keith. So, outside of him, all the male characters in this are shithead, at abusive assholes. Well, the yeah. girl's nice. Right, but uh, the girl is <laughs> the not a guy. The or the Matt. girl? <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see what you're making. So, so and even... And all the issues that happen to the women in the movie comes from a guy. Well, and you like, know? yeah, they're, they're yeah. dismissal. But you know what? I have to say with Bill Sarsgaard character, he was very intrusive. That's that's yeah. the vibe I got. Like, she's like, I don't want to. It's okay. I can stand outside. Or, you know, it's okay. I don't need to, to drink tea or something like that. Like, But he just keeps on forcing it upon, upon her. Right? Yeah, so. he's well, it's, and I think that he's filmed to be overbearing to kind of present um, uh, Georgia Campbell's Georgia Georgina's Campbell's like perspective on his behavior. Yeah, like you don't yeah. you don't see him in the light of like oh he's being a nice guy. It's like it's specifically filmed to make him creepy because the idea of him being there itself is horrifying. Yeah, yeah um, and like because she's of like the narrator. Her, yeah, like, like the camera's telling everything from her perspective. Yeah, the first half. Yes, well, for the first for the first for, first third. third. Yeah, the first, first third, third of the movie. Yeah, first act is all her. And the I, I don't the know cinematography if... in this is so good in that. Oh yeah, it really follows the well, minds and, and, and the it moods does of so the characters. Many, yeah, it does so many different things like his. His use of camera technique across the film is like really impressive, and I I think something we 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 missed talking about the first time was how good and how well executed the music was in this. 
Yeah, did definitely. you guys get this was... like Tim Burton vibes of how he shot it? Like not some. like hundred percent, but like, I got I got yeah. I got more like um not David Lynch, the other guy. Um The other guy. <laughs> the other guy. He almost made a he <clears throat> made a Dune movie. Oh, uh, I know. Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. there's moments where there is that, and then there's, like, there is some, like, Lynchian stuff in there. Like, it's a very referentially designed film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that this movie came out at the same time as, like, uh, as, like, Pearl and X came out. Like, because this yeah. is, like, a very, like, bare bones, like, simple plot that's pretty, doesn't, like, really ask you to make you ask too many questions by the end of it. It's like a straight up, just like regular horror movie that yeah. would have come out in any October, but is like a much grander thing than it would have been like, like an X was like Pearl was, or like Nope was where it, it could just be like a formulaic horror movie. And in any given year, it might've been, but because of where we are in the world of horror right now, and with a director like this, it yeah. perfectly kind of borders the lines of comedy, uh, comedy commentary and horror which is you know like the the most beautiful essence of comedy and horror and science fiction in general as well is commentary on the world yeah. uh and like what this movie presents is incredible especially with, with its depiction and its location being in detroit that i also really loved yeah because like, it kind of showed the decayed nature of things there is another thing as I noticed after watching the film and now that I think about it is that the monster, the mother, she's not really bad. And and what's no, worse is she's no. like she's also the victim of all this thing, right? That's going yeah. on. And you kinda I, I kinda you know, after watching it, I was thinking I kinda sympathize with her. Like she to a degree, well, yeah. Yeah, like, she did not ask to be in this situation. Well, she, 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 the, she is a monster, but she's not a willing monster. Yeah, yeah the, and, and the she only... represents, like, people who are, you know, self... Um, what's the word, Matt? Uh, Self-aggrandizing, self-motivated, self No, like, people who are... Um, sorry, I'm just lost for words. Uh, it's kind of like... She knows she's not able to be out and notice she only comes out during the night because of mm. how grotesque she feels oh, and how she's, she looks. And, and, she has you know, negative self-esteem. Yes. And and all she wants is to have her own child. And she knows yeah, she can't only reference for the rest of the world as being I don't, a parent. Well, yeah. I, know, I, I don't think she knows what she looks like. No, there's she's, a... She isn't there a mirror? I think there's a, there's mirror. a mirror in the house, right? Is there? It's not like yeah. she she doesn't come out of the house. She does come out of the house to get to the, people, yeah. which is why to the neighborhood's like, empty. Yeah, you know, and it's okay. a, and it's a, like you know it's like a commentary on like forced motherhood and what that does to people. Yes, um, and like and how in the like in the end like all she wanted to do is like take care of um, George's character, even though like I, I I took the ending as her like letting herself die too. Like, to to there's protect like, her, yeah, yeah, to protect her. She knows like, that she's so terrifying, looking and grotesque yeah. that even the girl that she saved mm -hmm. from falling off the water tower, she was so terrified to be in her presence. You know, I, like so, it's kind of yeah. like 
there's no hope for me to ever live in this world, to be a woman, a proper woman, to have my own children that I can raise myself and everything like that. You know, it's like the, the whole scene at the end that I took was she finally managed to get out of the house that she was trapped in all these years. And, you know, and, and it's I, I results mean, I to took nothing. It- I well, no, I took it. I took it as she's finally able to like care for somebody. Yes, because in, oh, in her yeah, perspective, yeah, you're right. yeah, she that's like another way of she finally like she saved the girl from falling. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. protected her, and like, and from her perspective, George's character is like reaching out to her, and yeah. she's like, "Oh, finally, I'm like, I did my job. I protected this person." And she gets domed and dies in her moment of happiness. Yes, but and and but that that is all punctuated by I, I, a title by a man who deserves a title that i very firmly agreed with a man who deserves to become the first modern scream king justin long everybody justin yeah. long in this yeah. movie is something fucking special no one dies better than justin no. long no he or has no one the scream. Is mutilated better. is this he the has... first time he played a bad guy no no uh, no. no no oh no no he's oh. he's become hey, just, like a justin, notoriously evil character in films because yeah, no one knows how to cast him as a good guy anymore yeah justin long excels in being the one guy who generally speaking isn't purely evil yeah, yeah. but he's kind of a prick and you want to see him die like like this character in barbarians probably the most antagonistic yeah, like, I think I think the like, last time Justin Long played a, played a direct protagonist was in Accepted in 2006. Yeah, like everything after that's kind of that. Uh. Yeah, every horror movie he's in, he leans a little more evil, and something more brutally terrible happens and, to him. Okay, like, I don't. Jeepers, I don't think anything's worse than uh, than Tusk. Did you think Jeepers Creeper? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So he died uh, the same way in this and as in Jeepers Creepers. So. Yeah. So yeah. Jeepers Creepers, he gets his organs taken out. Hell yeah. Tusk, he gets his organs taken out and then rearranged into a. He gets turned into part. a fucking walrus. Yeah. yeah. But and, so and then this one, he gets disemboweled again. There's another actor easiest in this one actually. There's another actor I want to give a shout out to, Richard Brake. Come on. Oh yeah, come on, come on, guys! Like he's I like I and you guys know me. I love rooting for the underdog. He's been in so many horror films. His performance is amazing. He has Um, has almost a hundred credits on IMDb. I know a lot of and, and like that's not accounting for all the many episodes he's done of TV. And I also recently watched the recent Rob Zombie film, The Monsters. Oh, yeah. um, not, He's not, not highly recommendable. Yeah. But no. Oh. But the reason why I want to bring up that movie was he's in that. He, he's a he's he's collaborated with, with Rob Zombie many times, like, you know, the, the House of a Thousand Corpses and mm-hmm. its sequel, um, Three from Hell. Um, but his performance in the Munsters, I think, was the best. If anything good oh, came okay. out of that, he was hilarious. He he was like really, really showing his his acting abilities, oh, um, yeah. which was which was also a reason why I was kind of bummed out that he didn't have a dialogue. But his acting in Barbarian is really, really good. Like he, he didn't have much dialogue. He, it's just how he portrays a serial rapist and 
how he was able to like act out as uh, before he shot himself at the end when he realized that you know he's not killing himself because of the mother or whatever he's he realized he's getting he's gonna get caught by the cops and yeah yeah like but all in all i really want to give a shout out to that guy he's an incredible actor he's an incredible actor yeah he does does and i'm glad he's finally in something mainstream right so yeah yeah if only we can only hope he gets more roles because he really is a character who uh he's an he's a character actor who I think could be very easily pigeonholed into one type of role. Yeah, like a bad imagine being pigeonholed into serial rapist. But like, have you seen? Like, look at his face. I mean, yeah. Like, if yeah. I saw that but man like, drinking alone I wouldn't in a want bar that and he to wasn't be... smiling, I'd run. Yeah, poor guy. But like, but like, yeah. I mean, it's to his advantage. Like, mm-hmm. hey, he he was in the live action two thousand five Doom movie playing alongside Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So his career's fucking set. No, you know he's, what? He's, he's met The Rock. I'll, I'll give him a bigger one. He played, he was in Games of Thrones, uh, and he played one of the, is it those, those it's not Frost Giants, but he played oh, one um, of Oh, White Walkers. Yeah, the White Walkers. And <laughs> Frost Giants. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, Marvel now. So, but yeah. He was, also, I, he was also in a Beowulf thing, so he kind of played... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no, like he, he is, he, he had a small part, but I, 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 I took it in as much as I can, whatever he was able to give and he did it and I have to yeah, say, he pulls yeah. it off. Yeah, he pulled it off, but yeah, no, I have to say thank you guys for, oh, he played, he plays the Night King, film. not just, not just any White Walk, he plays the Night King. Yes, in Game that's of right. Which I didn't know that. That's fucking yeah. sweet. So, yeah, moving on to my last film was, because you mentioned Accordion, I actually okay. watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, and man. I, yeah, I'm intrigued by this. I've only heard good things. It is not your typical uh, autobiography type film. Um, yeah. is it, it is a parody on it. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, yeah. yeah but we'll give you guys... You guys have to check it out. You guys have to check it out. It's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it tells a story, but it it's it's told in the way that I can see Al Yankovic. We're Al Yankovic tells you know well, does wasn't his it, thing. Wasn't it released only to like a very specific streaming platform? Yeah, it was only uh, released onto I think um, was it Paramount Plus? No, not Paramount. It's weirder than Paramount. It's not HBO. Hulu? It's like a very, not Hulu. It's another really weird one. It was like, it was like, oh, it's Roku TV. Oh, right. It's Roku. Yeah. It's a yes, Roku yes. original. Yes. Which is like really difficult for a lot of us to get access to. But if you got Roku TV, you can watch it free with ads. From oh, we got Roku TV. Oh, oh yeah, you guys yeah, have to watch yeah. it. You guys have Roku to watch it. Roku this shit up. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna be perplexed by where I find out how I can watch it. Yeah, and it's uh, directed by the guys who directed Son of Zorn. Um, oh, cool! Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is pretty, pretty freaking amazing. This film. Um, I say give it a watch. Um, it is told through. It is produced. Um, Weird Al also produced it, I believe. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so, a big part. Of it. Well, he's the Weird Al's the one who picked Daniel Radcliffe to play him. Yeah, like it's a it's like yeah. a famous story. Like uh, Daniel Radcliffe was on uh, like the Graham Norton show, and he like joked that he knew every word to one of um, one of Weird Al's songs. And when they were like, "Oh, fine, do it," he sang the entire thing. And from that moment forward, Weird Al knew if anyone was gonna play him, it was gonna be Daniel Radcliffe. That's magic it was right actually his rap with the uh, table of uh, elements. Oh, uh, yes. It was yeah. a periodic table rap. And, but the funny thing is, in this film, he doesn't sing. Oh. Weird Al dubs over the singing. And, oh, really? And like watching, obnoxiously? Yeah. And, and Daniel, watch Daniel Radcliffe like, like, lip sync to it is just hilarious. Like, all in all is... I can tell you is this film is about Weird Al's life, but told in a way that Weird Al wants. And what does Weird what is Weird Al known for? His parodies of music. And so this is filmed in a way that it's like a parody, but is fucking awesome to watch. Uh, considering there's so many, um, you know, artists, uh, you know, music uh, artists. Um, movies that were made like you know the yeah the the queen one bohemian rhapsody oh yeah there and was, then uh, rocket man rocket and man and and all that, that. Was so so he came into this with something different and it's it's fucking hilarious and i'm and cursing again so that means something so. <laughs> yeah monty has broken his shea butter and it turned purpley into olive oil and you know what that means it, it means <laughs> that the the ky jelly is out fourth times the charm is coming to a close ben well you know i think we all learned a lot today we learned a lot about movies about music and we learned a lot about wrestling fun fact before oh. it was a suplex, it was a suple. Well, you want to solely commentary? Always referred to it as a suple. In in my in my region of Illinois, I'm expecting between three and five and one to three inches of snow this evening. But ironically speaking, the lake effect is actually going to be carrying warmer air near the lakefront so those who live near lake michigan like the, within three miles of the coast are actually only going to get rain where those of us in the outer skirts of town where it'll be a bit colder are actually going to get snow Good sounds one, to me like someone's got ice in their future <laughs> oh, oh ice. ice baby <laughs> but hey man remember if you slide off the road the first time <laughs> the second time and the third time, I hope to God you do not think that the fourth time is the charm. Good night and good morning. Follow us on Instagram, everything else. Follow Monty, follow Ben, follow me. And have yourself a wonderful evening. Talk to y'all later.